I am Liz Wright. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. The only thing that matters now is living by the power of this wonderful new creation life. We're going to become an undefeatable force of radiating glory, and we are rising up strong now in this hour. Hi, family all around the world. Thank you for joining us for what's going to be an incredible episode this week of Live Your Best Life with, of course, Mila's Right. And it is such an exciting show that we have for you today. It's such an honor and a privilege to be able to have joining me in the conversation two of my favorite women on the planet. They are part of the senior, well, they are the senior leadership. I should say they're part of together, but they are the senior leadership of Glad Tidings Church in Yuba City in California. It's a place I go. I have the privilege of being able to share there. I just love this part of the body of Christ. They are they are family to me. And so they are also the granddaughters of A.A. A. Allen, and that is the primary focus of our conversation today. You're going to hear what actually really happened in his life and at the end of his life. And so it is my joy and it's my honor to be able to welcome into the conversation with me today, Cheryl Bryan and Juanita Talbot. Welcome, ladies. Hello, hello, Liz. We love you. And we're just Delighted to be able to be here with you today. Oh, honestly. Oh my gosh. It's, it's I'm so excited. Obviously, when we were together and you were sharing again a little bit up to, with me about what happened, have gone through as a family all these years because of the the injustice that happened. It was surrounding your granddad's, your grandpa's death. And um and I really felt strongly in my spirit then. You know that it was it was time to have this conversation in public. He was one of the most powerful miracle working evangelists I think that we've ever had as part of the body of Christ, and who changed the lives of literally thousands of people. And so, so yes, I just wanted. It's a privilege for me to be able to create a space where this conversation can happen today. But before we go there, I wanted to start by asking you both for those who don't know. A.A. Allen's ministry, which won't be many of you, I am sure. Um, he is very, very well known across the world and very well, uh, very well respected for the miracles that happened through his extraordinary relationship with Jesus. Um, but can we start by just, I'd love to ask you both, you were obviously both young when he did die, um, but you have memories of him. And I would just love to ask you what he was like as a man. You know, he was grandpa to us, not, yeah. um, you know, a famous man, even though we did know him as a famous man, um, know that he was well known. He was just grandpa and probably my most personal memory is um of him breakfast in um his kitchen while we swam in his pool as little girls um you know he was just mm -hmm. a happy wonderful grandpa um that we just loved and yeah. um our dad uh who was his oldest son um for for us he was just somebody that was a really special, wonderful person that uh, 
did, you know, big meetings, we knew that, but we were kept in a place of just knowing him as grandpa. Yeah, he was very Mm -hmm. kind hearted, very loving. And my dad was also like that. My dad was one of the most wonderful people that I've ever known, and really full of integrity. And when you talk to my uncles, different people, they'll say, Grandpa never did anything in person anywhere that he couldn't have done from a platform. That's who he was. He was a man of integrity that grandma was the same way. Both of them, if they were going to do it, it could be put on display. They were beautiful people that actually walked in humility and loved Jesus and loved others. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we knew him, like my sister said, as grandpa, and we would go and visit him in Miracle Valley. And we were both born in Miracle Valley Mm -hmm. um, on the corner faith and deliverance. Grandpa was just that man. He was a fabulous man, full of love for God and love for others. And out of compassion, God used him to heal. And he would call, uh, he would call that a demon. He's like, that's a demon. It's trying to destroy them. And so it's interesting because as we grew up with my father being so loving, just um, my dad was the type of guy who would give his car to a single mom. And he was always just blessing everyone and help anybody that needed help. And that was really like grandpa. Grandpa was very much like that. And when grandpa passed, I remember my dad coming down the stairs and saying, grandpa's in heaven. I could still feel the pain in my dad's heart because my dad actually moved us away from Miracle Valley because the religious church world was not very happy with the fact that when grandpa came into town with his big tents, miracles happened and people left and weren't sitting in the regular pews. They were going to the tent meetings because all these miracles were happening and you can't really control people when there's miracles happening and they want to go see what God's up to. And so my dad actually moved us to Salem, Oregon, so that we could grow up in a peaceful environment where there wasn't religious fire. My dad said, you know, I didn't want you to have to deal with that. I knew it was lies that were being said about my grandpa. And so I grew up with my dad saying, Hey, whatever you do, don't believe the lies. People are telling lies about your grandpa. Don't believe them. Well, I never heard them. I didn't know what they were. So I got married, not knowing what they were. And after I got married, I heard the lies. Yeah. So, so just Going to the beginning of your grandpa's, like beginning of his ministry, obviously you said he was authentic, you know, who he was in private was who he was in public. What happened to him? Like, where did he then shift from one way of walking with God to moving in the level of power that he operated in? Well, there's a book that you can read that is phenomenal. It's called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, and it tells the story, and it is phenomenal. And it's a story of him going after the glory of God, the the goodness of God, all of the manifest presence of God. He actually wanted to lay his life down for the sake of the gospel, right? So he would go into his closet and he was fasting and praying. He'd say to my grandma, Lexi, say, hey, don't let me out of this closet. Don't come get me. I smell those biscuits cooking. I don't want any of that. I want Jesus. I want God. I think you have listened to some of him telling his own stories recently. He's actually really funny said every single time I smelled the food, I would come out of the closet. 
and <laughs> I would not do it again. And he said, I wanted it so bad. And so this time I finally, I just said, lock me in. And no matter what I say, don't let me out. I'm staying in here, even if it takes me years until I wow. encounter Jesus, the miracle yeah. worker in person. And a light showed up in that closet and began to tell him there's 13 things in your life that you need to get out of your life. And he said, I grabbed a pencil stub and chewed off the edges of it to sharpen it and started writing on a cardboard box because that light was in the closet saying, you need to get these things out of your life. And the one that I know is, um, well, there are many of them, but they're in the Price of God's Miracle Working Power book. But he said that the Lord said to him, no um, servant is above his master. And it's really learning to humble yourself and just become a servant of all. And really, Grandpa was amazing at that. He just loved. But Juanita was saying that he mentioned that it took him years to get those things out of his life. It wasn't like, oh, well, let's do that right now. It was like the process of dying to self. And that really is that fully yielded life that grandpa lived and grandpa was a man of fasting and he would go on serious long fasts a lot because he wanted the kingdom. He wanted Jesus more than he wanted the natural. It's so powerful, isn't it? It's like his, he didn't want anything other than Jesus as to be right. the priority of his life. And, and that determination and hunger for the reality of relationship with Jesus, the fruit of that, the thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that have been completely yeah. transformed as a result of that choice of that moment, you know, and then that process that he he underwent. Wow. We actually have some original footage of one of A.A. A. Allen's meetings where the most extraordinary recreative miracle occurred, which we've got for you now. So we're going to show you. Enjoy this moment and remember the same Jesus will heal you that healed this precious little boy. Six years old, can't walk, helpless. Look at him. Oh my God. I see this little baby. How many would like to see this poor little kitty healed tonight? Look at that. Oh my God. Did you ever see anything like it in your life? really feeling the presence of Holy Spirit really strongly. Gosh. Okay. So fast forwarding in time, obviously there were countless miracles like this, you know, just recorded on video for us that are just so precious and just give us hope, you know, that, this, that the same power is available to us today. It's just profound what we see um, 
presented to us in the life of your precious grandpa is hope, isn't it? This is how Jesus wants us to be walking every single one of us, you know, in this day, as we choose, like you just said, you know, to, to be able to um, to live a life where we're yielded to him. Oh, R.W. Shambach was a young man that worked with my grandpa. Um, he was mentoring him. And this is actually his account of what they call um, the greatest miracle of grandpa's ministry. And I want to read it rather than just say it. A woman brought her child who had 26 major diseases to our meeting. I never forgot this as long as I'll never forget this as long as I live. The boy was blind, deaf and mute. Both arms were crippled and deformed. His elbows protruded up into his little tummy. His knees touched his elbows. Both legs were crippled and deformed, and he had club feet. When he was born, his doctor said that the boy would never live to see his first birthday, but they were wrong. He was approaching four years of age. Of course, his condition was breaking his mama's heart. She came to our meetings all week. We had each person with a need fill out a prayer card, and as the Holy Spirit moved, we would pray for the needs God inspired us to pray for. And the Holy Spirit didn't seem to be moving us to pray for that little boy. The following Sunday, his mother came to me and said, Brother Shambach, I'm down to my last $20. I've paid the hotel bill, but we've been eating in a restaurant, coming to these three services a day and giving in every offering. All the money has run out. My baby has not been prayed for. She was very upset and she was ready to give up and go home. That night, I came out and I led the singing in that evening service. Then I introduced Brother A.A. Allen, and he came bouncing out on the platform and said, tonight we're going to receive an offering of faith. Now, if you don't know what I mean when I say an offering of faith, I mean for you to give God something you cannot afford to give. As soon as Brother Allen said that, I saw that boy's mother leap out into the aisle and come running. I never saw anything, anybody in such a hurry to give, and I confess I was nosy. I came down off the platform to see what she had given. You know what I saw in the bucket? A $20 bill. I knew that was all she had. She had told me that. She had driven from Knoxville, Tennessee, to the meeting in Birmingham, Alabama. She didn't know how she was going to get home or what she was going to use to feed herself and her baby on the way home. That night, he said, I'm being carried away to a huge white building. Oh, it's a hospital, of course. I heard this kind of thing every night that I worked with Brother Allen, so I was sitting there unmoved. Then he said, I'm inside the hospital, and there's no doubt in my mind where I'm heading because I hear all those babies crying. It's a maternity ward. I see five doctors around a table. A little baby has been born. The baby was born with 12, no 16, no 26 diseases. When he said that, I started getting chill bumps up on my spine. I said, oh my God, tonight that baby, tonight's that baby's night. Now I see the mother packing a suitcase. They're going on a trip. Another lady's with her. The, the baby's in a bassinet. It's in the back seat of an old Ford. They're driving down the highway. I see the Alabama-Tennessee border. That auto automobile is driving in the parking lot. 
lady, you're here tonight. Bring me that baby. God's going to give you 26 miracles. The woman came running again for the second time that night. She put the baby in Brother Alan's arms. I jumped up to stand beside him, and everyone in the audience, 3,000 strong, was standing. That little boy's tongue had been hanging out of his mouth all week. The first thing, first thing I saw as Brother Alan prayed was that tongue snapped back in the mouth like a rubber band. I saw two little whirlpools in his eyes, just like milky color. You couldn't tell whether he was blue or brown or what color his eyes, but during the prayer, that whirlpool ceased, and I saw two brown, brand new brown eyes. Then those little arms began to snap like pieces of wood, and for the first time they stretched out. The legs cracked like wood popping. All of a sudden, I saw God form toes out of those club feet as easily as child forms something with silly putty. The crowd was watching by this time going wild. I've never seen any people shout and rejoice so much in my all my life. I saw that baby placed on his feet and he began to run for the first time in his life. He had never seen his mama before, never said a word, but he began running across the platform and I was running right after him to catch him. He leapt into his mama's arms and I heard him say his first words, mama. Isn't that amazing? It's so beautiful. Wow! They said he had just little balls for feet and his feet came out and toes were formed. A beautiful creative miracle in front of everyone. And everyone ended up getting healed. Everyone in the meeting. It was the glory of God just covering the meeting and everyone healed. At that point, it's like, take your glasses yeah. off, uh, throw your crutches away, jump off your stretcher. Everybody got healed. Beautiful amazing. And then what happened is the little lady was taking her baby home and people started to swarm her and tuck money in her purse. And she ended up going home with a healed baby and a purse full of money and the biggest miracle that's ever happened. But it really was the faith that she's like, I'm here. I have no other recourse. And we have to get to that point where we're just like, God, you're everything. I don't, I'm not counting on anything other than who you are and what you're doing, which is what grandpa did all the time. It's just a, a beautiful, he was a perfect example of love personified and out of love for God, becoming love himself and loving others. And so when he died, when grandpa died, it was heartbreaking to all of us, of course, because he was young. Mm -hmm. But reality is when he died, there was big thing that comes out in the newspaper that says that he was an alcoholic, died of acute alcoholism. Well, there's nothing more devastating than people saying you die of acute alcoholism when you spent your life fighting against all those kinds of things. And yeah. so my dad just said at the time, he said, Cheryl, never believe the lies. Well, I never saw the newspaper. I didn't know what the lies were until much later. But um, ooh, I think it was in 2007, we were invited to a conference. Well, it was actually a tent meeting. Grandpa's uh, meetings. Let me just show you really quickly. Oops, sorry. I'll pull this up really quickly. Had huge, huge tents. And Eight, uh, I think it's 18,000 chairs that would be seated there. We were invited to a small tent meeting that um, I can't remember. Abiding Glory, I think, put it on at Miracle Valley. 
And when we went down there, they told the people that were in charge of Miracle Valley at the time said, would you like to look through some of the historical documents and some of the archives? And I'm like, of course I would, you know, it's where we were born. And of course, we'd like to see some of it. Well, we went through and my sister and I were both there. And I was so surprised because he pulled open a file cabinet was a letter from the coroner. And we both got to read that letter, letter from the coroner and a very large check, $10,000. And Juanita saw the 10 also, $10,000 from a denomination that was written to the coroner in San Francisco for him to falsify the autopsy. And he wrote a letter back to Miracle Valley. And he wrote the letter and the letter said right on the letter, I can't handle what I did. I have made a mess out of a man of God's life and I can't handle what I did. And I don't want to go to my grave. I'm turning this money back in. I didn't cash it. Here's the check. Didn't cash it. And then before they were able to interview him, he actually hung himself. And so I have the guy's name. I know who it was. Um, Also in Knoxville, Tennessee, a man called uh, Pastor, before he died. And he said, I need to, to free myself from the lies that I was a part of. And I was a part of framing A.A. Allen. Um, as a young policeman, I was asked to do this and I would put alcohol under the seat of his car. We had it all set up with TV, um, cameras, little snap cameras back in the day. Um, and we had the corner all set up where we were going to pull him over for drunk driving. Well, R.W. Shambach told us he wasn't even driving. When they pulled him over, it was R.W. Shambach driving. But the newspaper articles come out and say, A.A. Allen pulled over while drunk and driving after a meeting. Well, R.W. Shambach said, no, he actually had buttermilk. There wasn't, the alcohol was placed under there. He did not do that. And this man called and repented to uh, one of the pastors there in Knoxville before he died. He said, I was a part of that. So those are the things, the stories that have come out over time. And it's really been encouraging to see people come clean of why the lies were perpetrated. But it really was to keep um, really to muddy grandpa's name and to keep the truth of what really did happen in those miracles and the amazing move of God to keep that at bay. Hell hates that God is awesome. Hell hates that. And so hell will yeah. do anything and will use religious people to do it as well. My gosh, it's just so tragic, isn't it? That people were manipulated and were. and were pushed by such jealousy and yeah. manipulated by the realm of darkness to discredit somebody who was was and is a friend of God, a deep yeah. friend of God. I know we have, um, in the last few minutes, I just want to show a testimony that Bobby Connor has recorded on both of your, on your family's behalf, which shares how Jesus spoke to him directly. So we're just going to play that now and then we'll come back. And I just would love, love you both to pray. I had preached in our church once what I had read in Robert Slaridan's book, The General, and I'd preached about uh, A.A. Allen uh, died in dishonor. And the, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, Bobby, uh, you lied about my servant A.A. Allen. I said, no, Lord, I did not lie. I, 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 put, I spoke just what was written in the book. He said, that's a problem. That's a lie. That's not what happened. And he's told me, the Lord 
Lord Jesus Christ told me, he said, when you die and stand before me, you will find out that A.A. A. Allen died righteous. And I mean that with all of my heart. So I want to encourage you uh, in the Allen family that A.A. Uh, uh, a. Allen died righteous. That's what Jesus Christ told me. And I believe him. And I, I just want to stand with you as you as you reclaim the legacy of your, your relative's name, because the Bible said a good name is better than gold and silver. Just profound. Just profound. Jesus has so sovereignly intervened, hasn't he? And he's brought everything hidden into the light and um, made sure that your grandpa's reputation would be completely cleared and intact and the miracles would remain presented in the with purity. They are holy, pure expressions of God that moved sovereignly through his life. And we are so thankful for his life, so thankful for the sacrifice that he chose to lay down his life for Jesus. And the result is all those lives changed and stories that are just treasures for us. And, you know, they're messages of hope, aren't they, that the same Jesus can do what he did then now in so many people, so many of us, like you guys around the world, you know, we get so much communication and so many people are desperate, you know, needing, needing healing. And so I'm so thankful that both of you have, you know, have come on and shared something that's so private and so important and so important for the body of Christ as well for this, for this precious man of God's name to be, his reputation to be restored. And so thank you both. And can I ask you, would you pray for everybody watching? Because I know you you move in this and you carry such power and authority, both of you. God spoke yeah. to me about grandpa's, the power that came through him. And he said, Cheryl, in your day, the power that will be seen will be like a peacock compared to a sparrow. And it's really what you're carrying, Liz. It's the love of God personified. And it's so exciting. My girlfriend, Shipra, just painted this picture. It's the peacock and the sparrow. And when oh, God wow. spoke to me about that, I thought, oh my goodness, grandpa carried the peacock, right? But God said, no, what's going to happen at the end of the age is the peacock. And so you're walking into it. We're walking into it. It's yeah. that beautiful time of the glory of God being yeah. seen on earth. Yeah. The so yieldedness and the love and the power all blended together. Thing. So Jesus is revealed. Yeah. I'm going to pray for that. Let's pray for that, that God would yeah. do. Yeah. That. And grandpa's cheering us on from the cloud of witnesses. Yeah. He's like, come on, yeah. go for it. So Jesus, we thank you. We are so delighted to be really a part of what you're doing in the earth today. We thank you that you allowed grandpa to be an example for all of us of laying down his life and loving purely from a a clean heart of just really wanting you. And Jesus, we thank you for every person that is watching. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God. We just say, let the fullness that was intended for today be seen today. Let the beauty of your holiness be known today. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for really restoring grandpa's name, letting people see the truth of how he actually died in purity before you, God. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for this wonderful time. And we just pray that this would be a new beginning for union between heaven and earth in all of our lives, God. We thank you for the desire you have for each one of us in this day 
even though in grandpa's day, it was a very few people who walked in your amazing love and power like he did. But your desire is for every single one of us, everyone listening to this conversation to walk in that same love and power that you uh, desire for us. And so um, we just... Um, uh, say yes to what your desire is for us, God. And, and we choose to um, pour out your love and we release it, Cheryl and I, today. Um, everything that we received uh, from our grandpa uh, that you gave him, God, we freely say, let every one of your children uh, have that and have it pour through them also, the compassion and the love and the desire for total surrender yes. and walking with you in a way that um, uh, nothing else matters but you. We love you and we thank you. Amen. We agree. When you were both praying then, I saw your grandpa as a seed going down into the ground. Mm -hmm. And as he died, there was, there was this huge harvest that came forth, huge generational harvest. And so I believe what he foreran as we, we look at his life, we can see what we can step into now. Like you both said, the love, the immense love, the yieldedness to Jesus and the power that could rest on him and move through him. Beautiful. And so we agree, we agree for the huge multiplication of what we saw in his life now, becoming the expression of the body of Christ. You guys moving in unprecedented levels of power and authority, knowing who you are, moving in miracle working power because of your deep, intimate laid down relation, love relationship with Jesus, your hearts and your lives laid down before him. The friendship that you have with him producing exponential fruit all over the world. Even if you're sitting in your sitting room at home and you never go anywhere through your powerful intercession that miracles will happen. So thank you both so much, so much for sharing what you've done today. It's just beautiful. And I feel so honored to have been able to facilitate this moment and we love you. Thank you. We love you very much. Yes, we do. We feel honored. <laughs> and guys, thank you so much for being with us and giving us your precious time too. We love you as well and look forward to being with you again next week for Live Your Best Life. God bless. Hi, if you really enjoyed today's show and you want to go deeper with Jesus and experience his love and his presence more than you ever have, then I have a present for you, a free gift. If you want to jump over to experiencinggodslove.com and just click on and sign up, then you will receive one of my teaching videos that I have created especially for you that will not only give you a few keys just very, very quickly that you can uh, utilize in your daily walk with the Lord, um, but also I'm going to take you there as well. So it's an activation. So yeah, so jump over to experiencinggodslove.com and you are going to be so blessed. <laughs>